0: Welcome to episode six twenty three of the sleeper in the bust. I am Justin Mason, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how you doing? What day of the week is it? I have no idea. I don't either. Uh,
1: I've been great because I've been vacation since December twentieth, mm-hmm. and I don't go back to work until the second. One of the benefits of working a day job that revolves around education. Uh, but uh, I have uh, I'm I feel like va- I feel like my vacation ends tomorrow. When, in fact, it doesn't end until Wednesday. Uh, but I, I, I have, I've I gotten a lot done. Over the time, I uh, renovated the master closet while my wife and daughter were in New York City for a girls weekend. Nice. So I came home to that surprise. And I've been doing a bunch of stuff around the house, pumping out some articles. Uh, because this time of year, you can do that. There's no there's nothing time sensitive. You just write them, and then they can publish them later. Uh, so I've been doing that. Player capsules. Staying busy. Not, I don't vacation well.
0: Um, What about you? I'm in the same boat as you. Uh, I've been on paternity leave since Veterans Day. So, uh, you know, my my baby's getting big. She is uh, doing really, really well. But uh, anybody who's ever had a baby knows that they only like to sleep sleep in increments, which is mainly my life to begin with anyway. So that part's not as hard, though. I've been sick the last, uh, God, I think this is day four of being sick. Uh, so if I start coughing, I'll try to mute my microphone or, or take it out, uh, edit it out a- afterwards. But uh, it's been uh, it's been a brutal few days, um, and it's uh, I I've had a hard time remembering what day it is with the holidays and not working. And uh, but things are about to change for me because I go back to work in about two weeks to my regular job. I go back to school in about three weeks, and. Uh, I'm really kicking up things over Friends of Fantasy Benefits, where we're doing, I think, 60 podcasts in 30 days to start the uh, new year, um, as well as releasing our draft guide, uh, which is already at like 260 pages. Wow. Uh, and I still need to get 12 of the 60 plus articles in there and ranks and all things like that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, going to be very, very busy for me here in the next couple days. It sure sounds like it, but you know that's the life. That's you know got to got to keep grinding, right?
1: Uh, indeed, that's what this time of year is for. I mean, uh, you losers that are playing Week Seventeen fantasy football. <laughs>
0: oh my uh, God. God, I ha- I had to write a uh, a Week Seventeen preview for Fantasy Alarm. So for I'm sure people know uh, I, I write over at Fantasy Alarm. Uh, I cover baseball and football over there, uh, and I do these massive. Week weekly previews every week. They're you know anywhere from you know ten to twenty thousand words, uh, depending on you know h- how much time I can actually put into you know adding things to it. So I mean they're massive. They cover every player, and there was no worse feeling than being sick and having to write. You know I think I wrote twelve thousand words about re- week seventeen. Um, it was uh, it was it was truly painful. It it is awful. I mean, I don't –
1: yeah, I'm really bitter about fantasy football. I was the number one seed, uh, second highest scoring team in the league, and got bounced in the semifinals by a team – that by the sixth seed. Uh, In fact, the number two seed, it was the highest scoring team in the league, also got bounced by the five. So our league Super Bowl was the five versus six. And the other guy, we outscored the rest of the league by at least 300 points. Both of us would have beat the champ. With, uh with our scores of week 16. thankfully our week our lineup our, our league doesn't do a week 17 but I am really bitter about fantasy football right now that's the last time the only other thing I'll say about football is because that stuff ends uh this weekend that means fantasy baseball will be back on the airwaves uh for those who listen to Sirius XM starting uh Monday I don't or even Tuesday. But they'll start. They're they're going to start talking about baseball again. They had some baseball on over this weekend. Almost drove off the road. Going, oh my god, baseball talk in December? What? Who? What? Uh, so it'll be happy. I'll be happy to uh, to have baseball on the airwaves. To be called again. To be a guest on the airwaves because that hasn't happened since end of June.
0: Yeah, it's been a while. I don't think I've been on Sirius since yeah June or, or maybe even May. Uh, because, uh, yeah. It's awful.
1: It's awful. I hate
0: it. I understand why they do it, but at the same time... Give it its own channel. Give it its own channel. Yeah. Or at least give it, give it, you know, a few hours a day. Like, there's no reason why baseball shouldn't be covered. I, I know, like, over uh, at uh, FNTSY, like, they moved to football mostly, uh, you know, the Tout Wars Hour show that I was on, uh, moved to, like, a podcast version, uh, uh, but they, they still devote at least, I think, an hour a day or something like that to baseball. Because baseball players, and if you're listening to this podcast on uh, December 29th, uh, baseball players play all year long. It's not like they give up. Some people tune out, but uh, my numbers actually over Friends of Fantasy Benefits in terms of uh, listens actually uh, steadily increase uh, because all the other podcasts go off the air. Uh-huh. Um, and so, one of the reasons, one of the things we've done over there is we just keep recording like we do over here. And uh, I'm sure Paul knows the numbers uh, for this pod, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that w- our numbers either stay the same or, or go up a little y- in the off.
1: Very few podcasts record year round. I mean, it's one of the things that Paul and I back way back in the day. It's one of the things we insisted on was just sticking around throughout the year to keep conversation going. Rather than trying to you know drop it or switch days. it over, just just keep talking. So, yeah, I've I've even looked at the reviews lately to see how those things are going. Uh, I hope people are are dropping reviews.
0: We're I've been some, a little out of touch getting, on that. Yeah, we're getting some uh, good reviews. Getting some uh, you know. Not everybody loves me, so I got a couple of bad reviews. And, you know, they join the club. the The replacement level from from Meaty e, or you know from Eno to me. You know, they're definitely you know we, I love Eno, and he he you know no one can replace what he what he brought to the show. But I appreciate all the kind words from people, uh, especially ones who reached out to me on Twitter and Facebook uh, about uh, winning their leagues because uh, because of us. Uh, or because of the advice we gave them, and really appreciate that. Uh, it's always great to hear uh, that you guys are winning your leagues in fantasy, in fantasy baseball, and, and fantasy football too. Uh, because I, God knows I didn't win any fantasy football leagues, so I hope I help someone else win.
1: <laughs> yeah, speaking of Ido, Ido's been really sick. So hopefully, he you know he gets better. He's had some major bronchitis. I saw something about him getting a steroid injection mm-hmm. in the butt. So maybe he's going to have some PED testing uh, coming up soon at the I, Athletics. I don't think
0: that was related to the sickness. I believe that was just supplemental. That I got was, you. Yeah, yeah, that was I did just one set of a couple I, extra dingers. I did think of him.
1: I saw Casey Stern share a video the other day about uh, when he and Dennis Scott and Shaq, uh, Shaquille O'Neal were doing the top 10 dunks of the week. And Shaq like obliterated the pronunciation of half the guys in the highlight. And I immediately thought of Eno in in his heyday where he would just slaughter every other guy's name uh, until until he got big in the locker room and then had to really learn the pronunciations.
0: I I still can't get over the carrot top uh, side-by-side photo that they did at the winter meetings where, you know, that was, that was hilarious, but messed up all at the same time.
1: Paul, they done you dirty, you know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) we're going to, we're going to talk some uh, fantasy baseball. We're going to start with some notable transactions, and then we're going to do a brand new segment that may be a one-off. We'll see called Jason's judgments. (laughs) Uh, Jason's going to talk about some players, but uh, first, uh, before we kind of jump into that, I uh, wanted to kind of uh, remember our uh, good friend, uh, Laura Michaels, who uh, uh, passed away, uh, what, a few weeks ago now. It's uh, uh, It was uh, a pretty sad day for, for me. For those who don't know who Laura Michaels uh, is and was, he was one of the forefathers of fantasy sports. has been doing this a long time, a two-time AL uh, tout winner, um, and just a genuinely uh, nice guy. Um, and uh, you know, they're I'm. I'm gonna. I'm gonna talk about him just real quick uh, and try not to get too emotional because uh, I think everybody in the industry has people that they owe their career and their uh, uh, and their status to. And right. lore for me is one of those guys. Uh, you know, lore and 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 Paul uh, and Howard Bender over at Fantasy Alarm are are the three guys that have really propped me up in this business, um, and there are three guys that I also consider very good friends of mine, and Laura and I uh, you know, lived within an hour hour of each other, we played in the Barf League uh, together uh, he was, um, an amazing musician, I was uh, fortunate enough to see him play live, uh and hang out with him outside of the fantasy realm uh, and it it really, uh it really hit me hard uh, when he passed, he passed on uh, uh December 19th, uh so just uh, 10 days ago. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's it's sad and it, it's a part of life. But it's, uh, you know, Tout Wars will be a little bit in the Barf League uh, draft will be a little bit uh, quieter this year without Laura because Laura was a guy who um, owned any room that he walked into. Um, yeah, yep.
1: Uh, I mean you noticed this year at, at uh, first pitch forums he wasn't there and that to to echo your last point when he's not in the room you noticed it and I was one of my first I'm like hey where's he this year and I because I yeah you know, he had just started uh, some of the some of the serious health issues in October I guess it was or in September and I was outside of that closest loop to that so I wasn't aware of that until we got there. Uh, but I think, I think Paul said it a number of people. I mean, you wrote something great and Brian Walton and Todd and, and Ron, and a lot of people said, I think the one quote that sticks out to me with Paul was unabashedly unique is the best way to describe him because he was just like he could, he could hop into any conversation and hold his own. And you were like, wow, I had no idea he knew that about that. Like one time he sat down he, you know, Joe Sheehan wrote about the the, golf, the golfing with Lar. I never would have pegged Lar as some serious golfer until one day I was talking to him. Uh, you know, My dad s- suddenly passed at age 64 two and a half years ago. And I was talking about a, a charity golf tournament. And they stood up. And I'm, he's like, hey, do you golf? I'm like, no, I don't. I have to go play in this tournament. And all of a sudden, Lar's giving me golf lessons. Hey, you should try this. This is an unlike... Well, he goes, oh, dude, I golf all the time. And I was like, oh, OK, I didn't know this. So he's telling me what I should do and how I should how I should try to to build a swing that could at least get me to get me off the tee. Get me to the you know, he's like, look, you're going to suck. It's OK. But golf is fun. Don't forget that. Uh, yeah. And things like that. So it was always that was always uh, my impression. But it, he didn't he didn't do anything half ass. He was very passionate about everything from golf to music to Virgil's barbecue to tripping over my power cable at at first pitch every year you know all of those things he never did he never did anything half-assed and that's what I always appreciated about because he truly was um, genuinely happy to be around other people
0: and yeah he had a genuine love for for everything, not just baseball. I mean, baseball was definitely one of the one of the top things in his life. But he, you know, he was a big music guy. Played music all around the country. Uh, was a fantastic musician. Like you said, he he really got into golf. Uh, I believe kind of later in life uh, and became a, a big golfer. But it, he was a genuinely great person and uh, took me under his wing. I I, I would not have been on. Uh, on, on fantasy sports radio, or gotten into tout wars, um, without without lore. And you know, as much as I, you know, I love to stand on my own achievements. You don't get anywhere in this business without the kindness uh, and help of others. Uh, and he is one of those guys that I've tried to model myself after uh, in being willing to help other people. Like I always try to say yes to things as long as I can, because people like lore, people like Paul, people like you, uh, and you know, people like Howard Bender always said yes to me, uh, when I asked him come on a podcast or look over an article for me or, or things like that, or, you know, or just gave me pieces of advice, like just show up to tout wars, even though you're not playing and help out. Cause that'll get you remembered. And, and it did. And, um, you know, aside from aside from that, uh, you know, Laura and I uh, had a lot of personal connections. He was a big fan of my wife, though. Apparently, most people who's are. not though. <laughs> yeah, most people <laughs> like my wife more than they like me. Hey, welcome to the club. That's what my friends in Florida say. They're like, you know, we're
1: going. I'm going to Phoenix in a couple of days for Fiesta Bowl. They didn't care. They're like, hey, is Sarah coming with you? No. Oh, okay. I'm like, well, gee. I'll be great to see you guys. Uh, yeah, no, it was all about wanting to see my wife more than me.
0: Yeah, I think there'll be some bum people when she doesn't show up to tell this year. But uh, uh, no one's going to be more bummed than me when I when I get off the plane in New York this year and it hits me that is not going to be there, uh, be there this year, or when I walk into the rec room for, for the Barf League draft this year and uh, and Laura doesn't walk in. You know, I'm going to tell one quick story and then uh, we'll, we'll move on. I I met Laura uh, at the Barf League draft. I was Trying to get people uh, or I was trying to get myself noticed by, by starting up this this little industry draft in San Francisco uh, and got you know uh, got lore was the first person to sign on. He kind of roped in Ray Flowers and Howard Bender and a couple other guys. Uh, and the first time I met him was you know at the first uh, the first draft, and him and I could not have been more different people. You know, Lore is kind of this tall, skinny guy. I'm, a, you know, shorter, uh, you know, heftier guy. Uh, Lore is, or you know, was a, a huge hippie. You know, very liberal. I'm, you know, I'm a former uh, U.S. Army veteran. I've, I, I, I tilt a little bit more conservative. Uh, he can be a little bit zany, and I can be a little bit more reserved. Um, and so at first I was like, man, I don't know who this guy is, but I am not going to get along with him. And uh, <laughs> by the end of the day, he was my favorite person to talk to. Um, and like you said, he just knew so much about so many things, and was just uh, just so amiable uh, w- with everybody uh, that he met. It just uh, it's uh, truly sad for the, for the fantasy baseball community, but just for the for the world at large that uh, Lore is is no longer with us.
1: Indeed. I want to echo on one of the things you said you know, to the advice of just never say no. It's it's one thing that I've always if – if you're listening to this podcast and you have your own or anything, if I've ever told you no, it's not because I don't want to do your show. It's because of schedule. But I have told – I have been – I've lost count on how many podcasts that I've been on or how many radio stations that I've been on with different people. It's just if I've – you know, with with the change, with with the change of job and stuff. If it's if it's nights and weekends, yes. Daytime, no. And that's pretty much the only thing that ever leads me to saying no. So somebody, hey, can you do a lunch? Nope, can't do lunchtime. Hey, seven o'clock p.m. Sure, I can do that unless I'm flying. But that's the only thing that ever uh, dictates that. And yeah, and also just showing up and making yourself known. I was talking to our buddy Ian Khan the other day. Uh, you know, Ian, he, he actually was trying to plan vacation. And when I told him when Tout Wars weekend was, he changed, he pushed his vacation back two days so he could be at Tout Wars, uh, to be with us because he wants, he wants to get in. And now, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna be doing some writing here, uh, starting in January. So he has the affiliation and he wants to get in. And I've already said, I'll sponsor him, uh, to, to get him in. Just like I'm sure you will and Paul will and anybody, but, uh, you know, so he just wants to be there, and I was I, I, I mentioned you. I was like, you know, Laura told Justin just show up, and Justin did, and now Justin's in it. Uh, and and the other, the other Ian story quickly. He calls me. I was I had my phone off. I woke up to a voicemail the other morning. He went out to one of those Japanese steakhouse places to have dinner with people, and he's walking out, and who's he see? Mariana Rivera. And he spends five minutes talking with Mariano Rivera. wasn't allowed to take pictures, but you could tell he was on a like cloud twenty nine when he was talking. When he left this voicemail to me, he's like, "That dude could really hang." I mean, five minutes with with greatness is like ah. you could tell he was super excited about it. But yeah, it's you know, um, Laura would absolutely be missed. Uh, and, and yeah, like I said, it'll be different. Definitely will be different. We you know started the year off with Steve Moyer. Um, in this in a situation and and now we come to this so it'll be different in march i'd like to see i was thinking about this earlier today i would like to see something within the, some kind of award annual award like the moyers michael award michael's award because these are two very unique thinkers with fantasy and i think you know we do a lot in the industry about recognizing the the best writer the best columnist the but not the like like the best dude or like the outside thinker and something should be put out there for that
0: and well, have the an annual board did, and give it
1: away somewhere. The athletic did a
0: man of the year. I think it was mostly uh, for, for any sports writer type uh, type person, uh, but they gave it away to a fantasy guy this year. They gave it away to Scott fish. Um, oh, I did see that. That uh, was that was definitely worthy of that. Yeah, uh, and Scott, for those who don't know, Scott Fish does the Scott Fish Bowl, which is one of the largest, probably the largest uh, industry fantasy league uh, tournament um, in all of fantasy. Uh, he, it's a uh, I want to say there were five hundred or no, like maybe nine hundred <laughs> participants in this uh, competition, um, uh, fantasy football competition, uh, and. Everybody who donated, or virtually everybody donated, there was a suggested donation of forty dollars for every single one. And through his program, Fantasy Cares, he was able to raise, I believe, like forty thousand dollars to buy Christmas presents for 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 kids who wouldn't have gotten right. one uh, around yep. the country. And uh, and Scott's been doing that a long time. Uh, and so you can go you can go follow him on Twitter. I think at Scott Fish. Um, or, or follow Scott Fish Bowl. Uh, I was a participant in it uh, this year, made it to the playoffs, and then was promptly exited like I was in all my leagues. <laughs> so, it's Scott Fish 24, by the way. Scott Fish 24. Yeah, great dude. Another one of those guys. Like, you know, I I you know I, I send him a DM, uh, ask him in questions, you know, because – uh, I've got the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, uh, and uh, and he he's always you know been happy to like give me advice and hey you know think about this don't think or don't do this, um, and just uh, another great dude in the industry. Can he mimic? Yeah,
1: uh, is he going to allow you to to do some? Are you thinking about doing something similar where uh, people that play in the Invitational recommend a donation of like twenty bucks?
0: No, I want to keep it free. Um, okay. And I want to keep it industry only. The Scott Fish Bowl is is half industry people and then half kind of regular Joes. Uh, I'm thinking about doing uh, maybe some sort of satellites uh, for for non industry people, and maybe we would do something like, hey, you know, you can get into the satellites by donating, you know, money to, to Fantasy Cares or something like that, um, because uh, I I do like the idea of giving back the fantasy industry giving back i got you so but we'll we'll figure something out i'm uh i i got i got the invitational nfbc uh this year so that's like the big the big thing right now and i'm still kind of getting my feet wet with a newborn so uh we'll we'll get it all under control but this has been a a long introduction into uh (laughs) so some fantasy talk we've got a ton of transactions to cover um, and then uh, we're, we're going to go on to Jason's judgment. So uh, we'll start with uh, Yasel Puig and Alex Wood being traded to the Reds for, I think, a prospect and Homer Bailey. It's, just, it's really just a, a kind of changing around some money uh, and maybe even opening up a rotation spot for some other guys I- I- in Los Angeles. Uh, what are your thoughts on Puig and Alex Wood going to Cincinnati?
1: I mean, I like how the Dodgers have already tweaked with Homer Bailey's release point and just released him. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, that was part of the that was part of the deal because he had something a guy, He's getting paid twenty eight million dollars this year, not to pitch. Uh, gotta be, yeah. I want that life twenty eight million dollars, not to pitch this year. Uh, I, I can't see anybody else claiming him uh, to that. But it, with getting getting Puig over to that ballpark, it will be fun. Uh, you know, we would look at just the difference in the run environment between the Dodgers and going over to Cincinnati, where he also gets road games uh, in Wrigley. It's, it 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 should be a benefit to him. I mean, when you look across, plus just getting out of the LA shadow. I mean, I, I think there's a there's a outside chance that if the if the Reds just let him play every day, and let's assume he stays in Cincinnati. For the entirety of the uh, of the year, which is no given because he is in a walk year and he could be traded at the deadline. Uh, Cincinnati's knack, I don't see Cincinnati contending. That division's too tough, so there's a high probability that Yasiel Puig is in a different uniform by August 1st. But if if we just assume that he plays the entire time, I think there's an outside chance that he could be a 30-home-run, 20-steal guy. Who man. I... I... For me, it's like all outside, outside. Yeah. But it's there. I, th- I think that the conditions are there for him. It all depends on where he finishes the year. Because I, I, I just don't see him playing August and September in Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, I, I, I doubt he plays there either. Because I don't think I think he wants to hit free agency. But you know, if you believe in contract year stuff, this is a, a great scenario for him getting to play in Great American Ballpark where the power will play up on a team that has historically, uh, over the last few years, liked to push it on the base paths. You know, I I had said prior to, right after the Andrew McCutcheon uh, 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 signing and prior to this trade, that I preferred Andrew McCutcheon over uh, Puig, which I got a lot of kind of heat over. Uh, I think people uh, maybe blew it a little bit out of proportion. I just think McCutcheon's safer did never, that come out in your iTunes reviews? <laughs> no, it just came out on Twitter. I hope it didn't come okay. out in the iTunes reviews. Uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't played uh, or gotten 600 plate appearances since 2014. And he's only and, and I once gotten over it. 450.
1: And, I, and that's where, that's actually one of the pieces what I like about this deal. Because with Cincinnati, it's going to be a set it and forget it. Uh, you know, There were times where he was getting benched uh, by the Dodgers. The Reds are like...
0: There were oh, also yeah. health issues, though.
1: Yes, there are. There there have been health issues. He, he plays uh, with
0: such reckless abandon in the outfield, and he he's great when he doesn't. And you know, he's it's amazing. But he slides into walls. He he, he hurts himself doing stupid things. Uh, that are not necessarily stupid things, but making big plays that maybe you wish he wouldn't make, just so he would stay on the field. And I just I don't know how like depth charts depth charts has him uh, projected for. Five hundred ninety-five plate appearances this year in one hundred and forty-two games. I just don't know how comfortable I am projecting that. And so, if I'm projecting him closer to like four fifty or five hundred, I don't know that he can get to thirty home runs.
1: True, it definitely my prediction definitely counts on playing time. I, I'm looking at i'm 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 changing the health setting on the on the PS2 down to one hundred, and nobody gets hurt, and and we'll move forward to that route. And that's where I'm that's where I'm leaning on things. I think you know the other piece of it that you were talking about with with Alex with Alex Wood. I mean, this is a guy that I wasn't crazy on last year about the velocity as it declined during the season in 2017 and it did it again this past year. Now we take him from an environment where there is some forgiveness to one where there is not a lot of forgiveness, and a division where there is not a lot of forgiveness, and some road parks that don't have forgiveness either. I, I like that piece of the equation a lot less. Also, the fact that he hasn't pitched more than 150 innings. I mean, he's barely hit the 150-inning mark the past two seasons. So I think that we should start getting ourselves prepared for that being the new norm for starting pitchers, though. 150 to 160, I think, three or four years ago, used to be something that we looked at from an SP4 and SP5. To me, that's like SP3 material now. Uh, if, if Because this is a copycat league and teams saw... Uh, teams be successful with with bullpenning and opening. Other teams are going to start doing it now. And your SP1s, your SP2s can be the 170-plus innings. But beyond that, I think you should be setting your benchmark at 160. And when you see – to me, when I see – if I'm looking at projections and seeing people down for 180, 175 that aren't SP1 or SP2, I'm discounting that because it's a copycat league. And we always see this. What works one year for some teams, other teams start to roll it out. And I I would be watchful of that in the projections that you look at or if you're doing your own projections heading into the season because it's going to happen. We see year after year, fewer and fewer. The the average – I saw something on MLB Network the other day. The average outing for a pitcher is like five and a third right now. And it's come, it's come down year after year, kind of like strikeout rates are going up. All of that. So that's kind of where I, you know, Alex Wood, I wouldn't take him in SP three myself, but that's, that's where he is. I just, I'm, I don't like him as much here this year.
0: You know, see, I kind of do, and I've always been an Alex Wood apologist, or at least I have been for the last few years. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look up his uh, ADP real quick before I, uh, I mean, it's
1: time to start doing that. You know, we, we're about what thirty-six mm-hmm. drafts into the season. It's so, it's good. It's good worth a. Uh, it's worth our time to start mentioning ADP and moving forward.
0: Yeah, he's currently going off on NFBC at pick two twenty-nine.
1: So we have thirty-four drafts, by the way.
0: Yeah. So, uh, and while while it's not a great location, you don't like him moving to. Uh, Great America ballpark. He's done a really good job over the course of his career, um, uh, especially in the last few seasons with the Dodgers, uh, but just really, just in general, at limiting home runs. So I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. worried about the move to Cincinnati. Uh, and I think the fact that he's going to be moving from the Dodgers to the Reds could mean he gets more innings because he's really been managed.
1: That's true. But but like the other point to the other point though the velocity within the season has that's, gone down.
0: That's the concerning part, especially because while in in spite of the velocity going down, the the fastball plays just as well. The problem is there isn't enough difference between his secondaries now, and I think yes. that it, it, that really hurts him uh, and really kind of plays down his secondary pitches. I think he can live with it being left-handed. Uh, it, I, I think considering where he's going, and I wouldn't be surprised to see his ADP drop as a result of this move. And I think mm-hmm. it should do the opposite. Like right now, he's going uh, around Trevor Williams and Julio uh, um and Ronaldo Lopez. I can understand some people like Williams better, and I know there's going to always be kind of Lopez backers. But I feel like he's you know quite a bit better than those guys in terms of what he could provide.
1: I think he's appropriately placed. I was looking at, as you were as you were talking, I was also looking at some of the names that were ahead and behind him, like Ross Stripling's a couple of ticks ahead of him. But so is Brandon Morrow, who probably gonna miss a month or two to start the season. Jordan Hicks, who people are forecasting, like, is he gonna close whatever? Uh, you know, as I liked, I really like Shashin coming into this year, uh, but he's still not getting much bounce out of that. But I don't have a problem with where he's at uh in this. But getting back to the velocity point, you know, last year Wood came out of the gate throwing 94, and he averaged 90 at the at season, and this is 2017. Came out of the gate at 94, finished the year at 90. This year came out of the gate 92, 93, finished the year at 90. And so you go back and look at April of 2017 and see him working 94, touching 96, to ending this last season, touching 92. That, that to me, that's where my concern was heading in the last year, seeing that big drop-off. Uh, he outperformed. I thought he was going to be a complete bust this past year. He wasn't. Uh, but that said, different situation now. He doesn't have the run support uh, that he had over there uh, defensively. That's going to be an interesting defensive ar- uh, alignment in in Cincinnati and I have the I have those concerns as well so I see him taking that step back in 19 that I was that I forecasted in 18
0: I I can understand the risk I just think there's such great reward we look at some of the numbers that we saw uh, we saw from him in 2017 uh and even last year the numbers were pretty damn good on on, on the surface I I know that they are concerning underlying stuff but uh, for instance you know if you, if you sort NFBC which I love that you can sur- uh, sort their uh, uh, their adps by dates you sort uh, yeah. f- through their dates for the last 10 days only one draft has gone uh completed uh in that time frame but Alex Wood didn't go in it yeah so I mean <laughs> we're talking about the last pitcher was taken at pick 419 and Alex Wood was not chosen. So that's, that's a little harsh, yeah. So I, like, I, I think people are especially because his his previous low is three eighteen. So
1: somebody after you know from three eighteen to four nineteen, he went a hundred picks and like, nah, 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 nah. See, I'm jumping in at that point at two twenty nine. But like I said, he's appropriately play. I didn't see anybody immediately. Oh, I'm, I'm I, I, like, I
0: found him. He did go. He went two thirty one. Okay, so, right on, so he basically went chalk.
1: Okay, uh, but again, I, I usually look five names ahead and five names behind when I'm looking for a particular guy, and I didn't balk at anybody. I mean, I like Shashin a little more than anybody else, uh, but even I expect some regression in 19 with him. Right, but nothing you... there was like, oh my God, I, there's no way I would take Alex Wood over this guy. I just didn't have that uh, initial reaction.
0: All right, let me give you some names from this draft that went behind him. Tyler Skaggs went one pick behind him. I think I'm taking – I like both those guys. <laughs> I think I'm going to take Wood. Uh, let's see, Trevor Williams with uh, five picks after him. Yeah,
1: i wash. I mean, one of the things – one of my concerns with, with uh, Williams and Ronaldo Lopez are both did exceedingly well third time through the order. Uh, last year, despite the skills not supporting it. Like, they had a lot of batted ball fortune that third time through the order. That When you look at the guys that took, I mean, when you if you go and look at, uh, go to Fangraphs, pull that third time through the order, uh, and look at that leaderboard and who does well, you get names like Chris Sale, you, you get names like Scherzer, guys you expect. And then you see Ronaldo Lopez, and you see Trevor Williams, and you see Derek Rodriguez. You're like, how the hell did those guys make this list? And then you look at the skills, you're like, yeah, a six percent strikeout minus walk rate. Yeah, that's not going to hold up well. Oh, that's they stranded ninety two percent of the runners in that split. Uh, you see, you see where that came from. Uh, and if you're banking on a repeat in that area, you're in trouble. Uh, and so that's that's my concern with with Williams uh, in that spot, uh, where I'd rather take somebody else who uh, doesn't have that much risk built in.
0: I, I'm t- I'm gonna just say like. Uh, I know this is like, you know, a one draft sample, but I am sure this is somewhat indicative of what's been happening in a lot of drafts. Uh, I'm going to build a lot of rotations with late pitching because I love a lot of these guys going outside the top 200. Uh, it's just, I've thought
1: about it. I've thought about it and I may, you know, I've already, since, since I've said, I'm not doing that much mock drafting this year, uh, yeah, I've thought about trying to do one like that and see where it comes through. But I tell you, you know, one of the when I looks, you know, you mentioned Skaggs. Skaggs has an ADP of 263, so that is uh about uh what do you say, about about 30 34 picks behind where it is. And then if you tick down a little bit at 268, Carlos Rodon intrigues me down there. So it's somebody that I that I would Jimmy take Nelson. I like I like Rodon better than I
0: like Wood this year. Jimmy Nelson's down there. My boy Kyle Gibson, 278. Uh, Mike Soroka, who I really like, uh, and his teammate uh, Tukey Toussaint, mm-hmm. uh, both going outside of the top 280.
1: Sonny uh, Gray just kind of sitting down there as free help with all that that Yankee bias. Uh, he's so bad with the Yankees. Let's get I think that's something once he gets traded, finally, because you know it's going to happen. It just he gets to a where. better place. He should, his value should come way up. But if I'm drafting right now, I'm taking every share of Sonny Gray I can get at two ninety nine as a pitcher off
0: the board. He burned <laughs> me so bad in Tawor. I just I have a hard time. I got him for so, so cheap, and I'm like, oh, this is how I win this league. And he was just straight garbage.
1: Same thing. Matt Boyd, wants uh, pitcher, one twenty five guy. We'll talk about one. I Man, mm. look at Luke Weaver's value. Boom. Oh, I'm going to all yeah, I'm gonna have all the shares. 27.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have all the shares of Luke Weaver this year. It, wow. It's it just, uh, people were taking him as a top 50 pick. 50. Not a, yes, they were. A, 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 a <laughs> top 50 pick last year. Not um, this guy. Not this no, guy I was neither. out there on
1: a limb. Mm-hmm. I was out there saying, no, no, run away, run away. People
0: thought I was foolish. It uh, was one of the things I absolutely nailed in 2018. So, yeah. Yeah. And But the discount is huge. I mean, if he could be half of what he was when he first came up at pick 323, 127th pitcher, now that clues up, relief pitchers, because uh, yeah. NFPC doesn't distinguish between relief pitchers and starting pitchers, but that is a huge discount. Just so. manage him better.
1: I mean, I get I, you always hear me harp on the times through the order penalty. Weaver got absolutely crushed on it, and Mike Matheny, when he was running that club, was like, eh, nah, we'll leave him after Let's see what happens. Gas on fire explosion. Okay, now it's time to pull. Yeah. And if I, they if they just would have yanked him and had somebody ready and gone batter by batter, starting at nineteenth batter face, Weaver could have shaved at least half run off of Z R A.
0: Oh, I, I completely agree. And I, I I think that being able to pitch in Arizona with a humidor will actually do wonders for his for his pitches. So being able to yes. grip those balls better. Um, you know, the, the changeup really took a step back, uh, last season. And one, I I just don't think he was given enough time to figure it out, but I think moving to Arizona, being, being with that humidor, uh, is going to be a really nice mix and he's only 25.
1: Correct. At, At this price, even as much as I didn't like him last year, I'm buying it at this price
0: for sure. Uh, let's talk about the next trade, and you know we can't talk about trades without talking about Jared Poto in Seattle. Uh, they trade uh, uh, Ben Gamble away to Milwaukee. They get Domingo Santana in return. Uh, I love this. Uh, I was a huge Domingo Santana guy last year. He just, after the Yelich uh, trade and uh, signing of Lorenzo Cain and struggling at the beginning of the season, he became buried in that organization. Uh, he's going to get a fresh start in seattle on a truly atrocious lineup uh which means he should play every day even when he struggles so uh i love me some domingo santana this you are you on board
1: you know getting back to the other thing as we talked about Puig with the increased playing time that should help i mean seattle's not going anywhere they're not going to contend they should be playing him every day now the problem is where i mean depoto will work this out because he's always good at this i don't I don't think Encarnacion ever, ever puts on a Mariners jersey. No, he's going to
0: be gone before... Correct. Yeah.
1: And and uh, to the point with Encarnacion, understand that he has a $13 million salary this year and then has a $20 million next year with a $5 million buyout. So as you look, and I tweeted about this earlier today, when you look at at rumors like, hey, who's going to do what, understand that it's going to cost the team at least $18 million to own Encarnacion, even if they only want him for this year. Nobody... Nobody wants him as $20 million in 2020. So he's going to be the 13 plus the $5 million buyout. I saw something like, hey, the Rays maybe – I'm like, unless somebody – unless DePoto is sending the $5 million back that the Rays gave when they did the whole Jake Bowers three-way trade, I don't see that happening because the Rays aren't going to pay $20 million for a DH. Um, And if they didn't pay the 14.3 to top – the, the Twins offer for Nelson Cruz, I, I don't see how they're going to pay $18 million straight out for one year of Encarnacion. Still crossing my fingers for the Jose Martinez deal. But understand when when people are trying to find a home for Encarnacion, he's an $18 million player this year.
0: Yeah, but I, I think Depoto might be – we saw with the Mets, the, the deal with the Mets. He might be willing to eat some of that money in order to get better prospects back. Yeah, so I I
1: mean, with 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 Santana, I mean, I obviously like him better the more he's DHing, but I also like Jay Bruce as a full time DH. Jay Bruce is somebody that I I really want to target this year. (laughs) Yeah, I really want to target, and I don't want Santana playing every day out in the field. Uh, Yeah, that's
0: they obviously don't care if they're planning on playing Malik Smith. In center field, in center no. field. so like <laughs> it it's obviously a, a couple years ago they they like totally changed their philosophy. They're like, oh, we want we want a nice defensive out, uh, outfield. Um, you know, they were and now co- they're going right back. They and, yeah, were terrible. They, <laughs> they were copying what the uh, what the Royals did during yep. the World uh, Royals World Series run, um, and now they're like, screw it, let's just get some bats in here. Uh, so uh, I mean, I
1: like Haniger and right field, uh, but. You know, Santana and left with Malik's and right. Malik's absolutely has the has the athleticism to cover the position. Sure. He looks like a wide receiver fielding or not. He looks like a most of the time back there. That's what he looks like uh, on some of the routes. And that's where I question this. He's he's good in left. He is not good in center field. That's where they're going to end up playing Smith. And if they're expecting Smith, Bruce won't be on this team
0: super long either.
1: True, but I like again. I I like Bruce as a rebound if he can stay in the American League, stay mm-hmm. out of the field and DH. I like him quite a bit as a rebound candidate this year. But as you hear us talk about this defense, factor that in with the pitching staff. Not like you were chasing any of these pitchers anyhow. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Justice <laughs> like...
0: Sheffield and and Marco Gonzalez are probably the only two people that people were going to be targeting. Uh, I, I'm not a big Sheffield guy to begin with. Correct. Uh, And I think I'm not a big, I'm not a big Marco Gonzalez guy either. So I, I know you, I liked, you liked him last, him last year, year on the cheap.
1: I liked him last year on the yeah, cheap. Well, with he's, the new pitch, he's cheap. But, yeah. You know,
0: uh,
1: he's not, he won't be as cheap, but factor that defense into this because this is, this is not a good defensive club.
0: No. And it's, it's probably going to get worse. <laughs> yes. At <laughs> some point. Cause you have to think that they're, they're going to try to move D Gordon, right? Like, Yeah, you you can't keep if you're trying to get younger, they're going to get rid of E5. They're going to get rid of D Gordon at some point. They can't get rid of Kyle Seager because I believe Kyle Seager's got something in his contract that says if he's traded uh, his uh, his option goes from being a team one to a player one. Really? Good for him. Something like that. which was a smart, you know, thing to put in your contract when you when your manager, your general manager is Tapoto. So, um, but no note- thing
1: about D Gordon, when you're trying to trade D Gordon, he's due 27. He's got 13 13 this year, 13 5 next year, and then 14 is a vesting option. Uh, and that vest hits if he gets 600 plate appearances in 2020 or 1200 not across bad, 19 though. or 20. That's not bad. Dude, he's been uh, duh that's you're paying a lot for a guy that was a zero win player last year zero yeah that's true he was three and a half the year before for the Marlins but for the Mariners, he was a zero win player and he was only a he was only a win the year off the suspension he was a five win guy in 15 um but the last year it was clear that the league was just going to overpower him and force him to swing because he he took an abysmal walk rate and made it worse. I don't know how you he he took a four percent walk rate and said hold my beer I can get worse than that it went to one and a half one and a half with a fourteen percent strikeout rate so it just basically throw him strikes let him try to hit let him try to hit it that's what it's come down to but that's a lot of money for a guy with I mean he's got plenty of speed to burn but thirteen you're you're willing to commit to twenty seven and a half million or even more if you're going to play him every day I mean six hundred plate appearances over the twelve hundred. It's not unthinkable because he did it over 14 and 15. He got the uh, 1,303 plate appearances uh, over 14 to 15. Uh, And then 17 to 18, he got 1,183 between seven. So it's not completely unthinkable. He just has to avoid the disabled list or being benched. That's it. And then that other option, vest.
0: Yeah yeah i i i i think I think he's worth taking a gamble on i mean thirteen fourteen million dollars a year isn't isn't that much in in, in today's but the fan you know especially if you uh, can get Seattle to pay some of that
1: sure i mean our our you know our buddy rob silver was tweeting like who whose adp has dropped the most uh year over year and I guessed it right finally and said Evan Gaddis he went from the 8th round to like somewhere to 300 but i think gordon i mean he's got to be one of those guys right now he's still 114 that's truly uh, that all day steals.
0: long. that's oh. purely up to steals yeah but uh, i mean we're talking about a guy at 114 who could steal 60 bases yeah and he's going to be playing on a team in in seattle you, you know as long as he's in seattle that truly just does not give a shit like but yeah
1: but the thing is they care enough not to hit him leadoff anymore. He's going to be hitting ninth. I mean, we can we can rag on Malik Smith and his punt-returning abilities in center field, but he's a leadoff hitter. He can take a walk. Gordon can't. Gordon just went from first to ninth. That's going to cost him a number of plate appearances in that regard. Uh, so if he stays ninth, maybe he doesn't even hit that vesting option because you can't get 600 plate appearances hitting out of the nine hole. It's just not going to happen. Uh, and so that's where I see him taking a hit. And his his path to sixty steals becomes that much more difficult because he's not going to be seeing a guaranteed four plate appearances a game or five the way he was when he was hitting leadoff uh, for Miami year after year. I mean, six ninety five, six fifty three, six fifty 650 with the Dodgers uh, the one year he was full time. All of that was when he hit high in the lineup. Now he's going to be hitting ninth.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely concerns, but I just think I mean the upside is just so great. Um, plus, you got the outfield eligibility too, which is always nice to be able to move guys around. Uh, let, yeah, let's, it's always worth an extra buck. Let's move on. Talk about another second baseman, uh, and that is Daniel Murphy signing with Colorado, because uh, the Rockies just hate their young talent. Oh, God, <laughs> I mean it just, uh, you know. And I don't think I don't think this is going to affect um, uh, Garrett uh, a ton. Anson. I think, um, I but I, I think. Ramiel uh, uh Ramil Tapia who was slated for an everyday role uh, with the way their lineup looked is now probably uh screwed again so he's just never going to get a shot which is which is unfortunate for him but what are your thoughts on Daniel Murphy signing in Colorado
1: for him it's fine i like it i mean he uses all parts of the field he's going to have this expansive outfield uh, he should be able to hit for a, a high average and use all parts of the park again Uh, You know, he he may not return to the 20 homers. Last year was a down year, hurt, and he only hit 12. He was at 23 and 25 the two seasons before. But I could see him taking full advantage of that ballpark and driving that batting average back up. I just hate it from a real baseball perspective because it just cuts into everything you said. With Tampia, Ryan McMahon, who I liked a lot last year, who I still like this year. I don't have a clear path of playing time for him. Daniel Murphy's going to play first base. That's fine. You put him at first base. But then you've you, you have, you've got Ian Desmond that you got to put out in the outfield now. So that takes Tapia. And you've got Blackman still. And you've got David Dahl. So at least w- only one of these youngsters is going to work. So between Tapia, Dahl, and McMahon, only one of them is going to have playing time. Right now, that's Dahl, and it should be. But yeah. this isn't that we didn't like the Desmond signing last year. We don't like the Murphy signing this year. Let the youth try to play or trade it for trying to find something else. But then when you look across their roster, it's like, okay, what do you trade it for? What are you trying to Im- – where are you trying to improve because – in,
0: Back into your rotation.
1: Yeah, everybody can use a four, but nobody trades those pitching. Uh, I mean, the bullpen's got depth to it. I like their bullpen. I liked it last year. I would like it this year. But if I can get another guy in that bullpen by trading one of those kids off uh, for somebody, Package then i do a bunch do of those
0: it. kids off and go get Kluber. Like, like – Make you want to you want to be a real player, Colorado. Go get a real pitcher.
1: Fantasy scream, fantasy owners scream (laughs) everywhere. No,
0: (laughs) yeah, yeah, it would be awful. I mean, I'm talking from a real baseball perspective. But no, I agree. They've
1: got the pieces to do it. They absolutely. We see San Diego talking about doing it Uh, Mm -hmm. every day. We see some rumor about San Diego trying to trade for Kluber, but Colorado has got the pieces to pull this off.
0: Yeah, they they they've got plenty of guys in their minors that are just toiling away. Uh, they need to start packaging these guys and going out and getting guys. It just, it, it makes no sense. Could you imagine a Kluber, Marquez, Freeland, John Gray rotation? It would be sick. You know, I mean, we would not be talking about, we shouldn't be talking anymore about you can't pitch in Colorado because these guys have all proven you can. Right. Uh But uh, we would we would no longer be talking about, Colorado is just being an offensive environment and not and not being able to support a good rotation uh, it makes absolutely no sense that they're not willing to do this uh, from purely fantasy uh, perspective, uh Daniel Murphy's going to win the batting title this year. I mean, you had his hit tool to, to the BIP increases that he's going to get in Colorado in that outfield uh in the thin air there. Um I love Daniel Murphy this year. He's at
1: 160. I mean, so he's at 160. His high is 83. I'm assuming that's that must probably the recent draft. Happened. <laughs> but he was at 231 in early draft, but that's his high-low uh, range. He's gone on all 34, but his ADP is currently 160. Gonna I mean, that's going to go gonna jump. He's going to be a top 100 guy by the time by the time we get to March. If he's a top 100 guy,
0: yeah, that's going to be hard for me. Because
1: right now he's been going behind. Well, let's look. These are some of the names he's currently behind: Yoan Moncada, Brian mm-hmm. Dozier. This is a second base only. He you should know?
0: jump ahead of both of those guys. Moncada, Dozier, uh, Robinson Cano should jump there. I, I think that's Odor. his spot. I, I think he should be. Ruben at Door? You go behind. You go to second
1: base. You know what? Let me just jump to second base because I was looking at everything. So if yeah. we look at second base, you if be we look in between at second Ordor base, Door
0: and Cano for me.
1: So you've got him at 10 you You've got him in between the tenth and eleventh. Yeah. But you you would take D Gordon over Daniel Murphy. Yes. Okay, so I wouldn't, and that's right now. There's a 45 I mean, point, uh, diff, four, 3 point three-round difference in a fifteen-team league. That, that's a team construction
0: two. issue too. If you've addressed speed early, then yeah, you go Murphy. Yeah. Um. You know, it's the it's the whole it's the whole thing that I talked about with with Puig and McCutcheon. If if my team is safe, then I'll take the upside on Puig. If it's uh, if my team is a bit risky already, I'm going to take the the safety on McCutcheon. It's the same thing there. If if I'm looking for some upside, I'm looking for some stolen bases. Give me hmm. D Gordon. If I'm looking for some batting average, which I often and am, uh, or uh, uh, I'm looking for just some safe numbers. Then you uh, give me uh, Daniel Murphy.
1: So how about this one? Because I so I see somebody like Jonathan VR who's at 106. But I, that gets to your D Gordon point. Roster construction needs speed. How about something like this? Scooter Jeanette who's currently ADP at 96. Daniel Murphy at 160.
0: I mean, I'd rather have Daniel Murphy at 160. I'd rather you know wait. All that time, I just think that at some point we're going to be looking at those two side by side in the ADPs.
1: And here's the one I don't get: Glaber Torres is the ADP of 55 with a high of 25. It's that's the that's the shiny first pick of the third syndrome. round. It's, oh my it's, god!
0: It's it's a true. It's I got into this huge argument uh, with one of my guys, uh, uh, Chuck Anderson, in in uh, over at Friends of Fantasy Benefits because he took Glaber Torres in the first round of our 30 team dynasty league. Wow! Um, you drug test the fantasy benefits? We do not because okay, I like you. to keep a full staff.
1: <laughs> uh. <laughs> wow! But th- yeah, so that one's crazy to me. So, like at the end of the day, I could see Daniel Murphy being in the top ten myself right now. He's the 14th second baseman off the board. Uh, at pick 160, but I see him. He's definitely going to jump in the top 10. Now, can he get to 100? If I put him in the top 100, that would put him as the seventh best because Jeanette is at 96 uh, and VR is at 106.
0: Yeah, I, I can tell you right now, one of my bold predictions for 2019. I know you're working on your your bold predictions piece. Uh, mine won't come out probably till March, but uh, I can tell you right now, uh, Gleyber Torres is not a top 10 second baseman for me in 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 twenty nineteen.
1: Yeah. I'm only just starting to write mine down. I haven't written. I'm just starting to jot notes like, "Hey, let you." I'm looking at things. This is what I like. I'm going to put this one down. I usually don't start writing those until February, and I have them wrapped up just before we head to Tout Wars. So I put all my cards on the table. Like this is who I like. This is my hate. <laughs> Oh, maybe one of these years I should just stop doing that because I haven't won. Uh, <laughs> and so I, yeah, I should start keeping some of that in my back pocket, but there are no secrets. This is I, your I, year. I should...
0: This is your year. You're, g- yeah. you're going to do it. Um, Nelson Cruz is, uh signed a contract, a, a one-year deal with a, a team option, uh, fairly affordable. I think it was like $14 million and then a $12 million team option. Correct. With a uh, like $300,000 buyout. I mean, Minnesota got a steal on Nelson Cruz. Uh, I always feel like uh, the entire industry gets a steal on Nelson Cruz because people are afraid of the the util only. And there's been a lot of conversation on Twitter about that as of late. What are your thoughts on Nelson Cruz going to Minnesota? Wrong team. Great contract. Wrong team. Uh, And I
1: agree. Everybody does freak out about about filling utility. That if you're going to fill utility, then you just worry about drafting multi-positional players around that. I mean, take. Yeah, take Estrubal Cabrera if you want to. You know, Getting back to your real quick about contract year, he was heading into a contract year last year, got back to the 20-homer plateau and gave up contact to hit home runs. He's still a free agent right now, but he qualifies a second, third, and short and you know, so guys will do things in contract years to do that. But that's what you do. If you fill at utility, and right now Nelson Cruz's ADP is one twenty five. That's criminally it's low insane. for a guy. For it's a guy insane. that consistently does what he does that is criminally low. His high is seventy six. And I'd argue even that's too low. That is way too uh, <laughs> low. Like <laughs> I mean like, to me I'm a I'm a Nelson Cruz apologist. I and I, I was mad. I was out walking my dog, hiking with my dog when I got the alert that he had signed with Minnesota and I, I tried to jump off a cliff. Uh, but it was I was just on a flat path so it didn't work. Uh, but I was mad. I really wanted him to be with Tampa Bay. Uh, and for Minnesota, it's the perfect thing. They have struggled with right-handed power. I mean, Dozier was pretty much it uh, for them once Sano decided to be a moron and, and not take full advantage of his talent. But now that team has brought in They've got Cruz. They've got CJ Crone, who now has to be an everyday first baseman. <laughs> uh, that's not going to be good. And you got Jonathan Scope too. See, so you added all of this right-handed power. Uh, I'm just concerned what you know, that team defense is going to be bad. I mean, CJ Crone is, is a great target to throw at a first base, but he's as mobile as a statue over there. Uh, and now you know Sonow has to play the field. Yes, he can throw, but he doesn't move well. Um, Scope. Either way, uh, but we know what scope is capable of. Now you've got all this right-handed power. And I think, uh, you know, we'll talk a little more about this later uh, with it, with how this impacts another guy in that lineup. But I like this. I mean, the, the ballpark is made for right-handed power hitters. Uh, they just haven't had enough of them. Now they're bringing a whole bunch of them in. And Nelson Cruz will be the full-time DH, should never have to see the field. Uh, at his age, he shouldn't uh, see the field. I don't care about where, where they're playing at in interleague. You use him as a pinch hitter in those games, um, but there there should be the opportunity for him to just keep doing what he's done.
0: Uh yeah, I just the idea that he's going outside the top one hundred is is insane to me. Uh, I mean, what my
1: favorite Nelson Cruz thing is, he signed a four year fifty eight million dollar deal uh, mm-hmm. with the Mariners. People are like, "What the hell are you doing?" Even I, I was like, "No, don't go there; it's going to kill your power that ballpark." And yeah, he just made a power place
0: like, anywhere.
1: 44, 43, 39, and 37 home runs over the last couple of years. And at the end of the day, Seattle got 15.7 wins above replacement out of a $58 million deal. You don't see a lot of free agent deals that return that kind of return on investment. They basically paid about three three and $3.5 million per win out of that, which is insane because most free agent deals are just the opposite. You're, you're not getting that kind of return on investment. But at this age, he just played – 152, 155, 155, 144, I think he had, uh, I think he missed like a 10-day DL stint uh, this year on something, and that was it.
0: And he got super unlucky on balls and plays this year, that's why his average was down. Uh, Everything else is like virtually in line with what he's done over the course of the last few years. The skills are the same, he actually hit the ball harder this year, uh, this last year than he had in previous seasons.
1: Uh, like oh, and the, by the way, he's going to go to a division that's got a bunch of shitty pitching. Yes, yes,
0: exactly. <laughs> like he he's going to get to play the Tigers and the White Sox and uh, and the Kansas City bullpen. Yeah. Oh, oh boy, my God. that's going to
1: be that's going to be a dumpster fire. I,
0: uh, <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of shares of Nelson Cruz this year. I think when people get like bent out of shape about taking DH only players. Um, I think Todd Zola made this point. One, that there's more multi-eligible players this year than there have been in, in many years in the past. Yep. But two, like you don't worry about that with your first you know, five to ten rounds. right? Because those are players that are set it and forget it anyways. Otherwise, you wouldn't be taking them in the first five to ten rounds. And go back
1: to my – I made it the last time we recorded – uh, talked about it at first pitch Arizona. The, the, the league power was down for the first time in four seasons. It went up, 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 and then it went down and stolen bases have gone down. And I, I projected that power will continue to go down this year while steals go up. So guys that you can pencil in for 30 plus home runs, you should be paying for it. This is one of those guys that could hit 30 home runs in his sleep because he just continues to do it year after year and now he's in this location it's going to be even easier for him to do it. Uh so I you know for me Nelson Cruz's power floor this year is at 35 considering the division he's playing in uh and I'm paying full freight if not a couple of extra bucks to get him to do it.
0: And he is the only player on the, in the in the starting lineup for the Twins projected for uh on-base percentage over 340
1: surprise yeah that that surprising like i have so i have nelson cruz in my home my my al home league i have for 26 bucks absolutely you keeping. keep them yeah, yeah absolutely keep keeping them. uh
0: the next uh, few signings are going to go quicker because we're already at an hour and we've got uh, a. T- <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> no we 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 spent a lot of time talking uh, about lore which i i think was well deserved so um but uh, we're, we're, we'll move through these next uh, signings a little bit faster because they're they're a lot less impact, uh, except for maybe the last one. And then we'll get on to your judgments. Uh, Andrew Miller signs with St. Louis. What are the chances that he's a closer at any point?
1: Uh, slim.
0: Okay.
1: And so that's just my thoughts. I I, I think they, they signed him for his ability if as if he's fully healthy to be like to Josh work. Hader
0: or be Andrew Correct. Miller.
1: Correct. Again, copycat league. They saw what Hater did to them. They want. They're hoping that Miller comes back healthy and they could do the same to Milwaukee. It's copycat league. And,
0: and and that being said, I think he's a pretty nice value this year. So and you're gonna need like unless you're playing in shallow leagues. And I know we don't talk enough about uh, the shallower formats because there are other podcasts out there that 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 do that. And we tend to kind of lean towards the, the deeper formats. Um, if, if you're playing in you know anything deeper than a 12-team league, you sh- you need to be drafting these guys. Yep. Like, the, this, especially with the way things are going in terms of teams limiting innings, teams using relievers more, these guys are becoming in- increasingly valuable. Uh, and and I think Andrew Miller, uh, you know, as long as he's healthy and we'll kind of keep an eye on him in spring, uh, he's going to be a valuable piece in fantasy leagues next year. I agree. Uh, Annabelle Sanchez signs with the Nationals. They uh, they are replacing Bryce Harper by adding all the pitchers.
1: That's going to be interesting. I mean, I Sanchez was was absolutely a surprise last year. Considering if I got the timeline straight, Detroit DFA or just outright released him. Minnesota picked him up and then quickly dropped him, and then Atlanta picked him up, but he went off. Correct timeline?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's right. I mean, so to me,
1: and then you know, one of the things that really went up last year, obviously, was the use of the cutter. I mean, I'm all about the new pitch. Santa uh, Sanchez went heavy cutter last year, and really went up with the changeup, and things took off for him because the velocity just isn't there. This is it worked last year. Uh, but you then you stare at the you stare at the difference between uh, almost a full run difference between his ERA and his FIP, uh, and you look at uh, the batting aver- the batting average and balls in play that is roughly fifty points below his career norm, and and you're a little you're a little worried here, and you should be uh, if you're trying to say okay he's he's going into rotation to replace Tanner Roark, no problem, let's pencil him in for one fifty and a good ERA and the strikeouts. I, I, I'm not there. I'm not I'm not there with that because it, while it all worked last year, uh, there's familiarity here. He's going back to the same division. Uh, I, I don't see that happening. I'd like to uh, middle of the season pick up last year. I, I I'm just surprised he's able to do what he does with his stuff. But there's that fine line between being successful and getting obliterated because you don't. You know, if you think back to Felix Mar- uh, Felix Martinez Felix Hernandez last year, I mean, we saw as he even with his pristine command, once he stopped missing and stopped uh, missing his targets and he got hit hard. And that's where I could see this going to Sanchez. He can go right back to where he was in 2017. 18 was fun. 19. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle between the uh, gas can that he had been in Detroit and then the surprise he was last year with with Atlanta.
0: Oh, this one's a hard for, one for me because I I used to really love Animal Sanchez and uh and I was all in on him for a number of years and then he continuously burnt me, never figured it out. And so it, there's that part of me that still longs for, <laughs> for him to get it all together <laughs> again and uh and be this guy that we saw towards the end of the season um who, you know, put up over like the last 7 starts, put up uh, a sub 3 ERA and uh you know was striking guys out uh, he did a really good job of limiting hard contact which you love to see was was getting you know uh, a lot of ground balls um so i mean the the skills are there it was you know it feels like it was largely on the back of his uh of his changeup which was really, really good i want to see how much how much he was throwing it uh because yeah, a lot, yeah, you let's see <laughs> his yeah, change 20, up his 25 percent of, of the time, correct, correct. So
1: I mean, cutter and change up cutter and change up made up roughly half of his arsenal.
0: Mm-hmm. I just worry that one, I think maybe the industry a little bit has forgotten that this guy has had a hard time staying healthy. Um, that being said, uh, I don't think he's gonna cost a ton. Let's see where his uh, Whereas ADP is uh, is floating around uh... three fifty six. Oh yeah, there. You, I mean, you just take the gamble, right? It's... He's ahead of
1: Justice Justice Sheffield, Nate Jones, De Sclafani. He's basically sitting out there for free if you want him.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I like Desclafani. Sclafani is going to be one of those sleeper guys for me this year. But uh, that's way too low. Like he he's going in the kind of, like. I keep saying this, but I like a lot of these pitchers down at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> so he's going. So I'll put this one Chase out. Chase Anderson. Going,
1: he's going 22 picks ahead of Jake Odorizzi. Yeah,
0: yeah. See, I'm not an Odorizzi guy. I know you are, but. I, I, I,
1: no, I only am. I only am if Rocco Baldelli manages him better than Paul Molitor did and doesn't let him in that th- third time through the order because that's where he got absolutely crushed. 12 of his home runs, 11.44 ERA when he faced the, th- the lineup a third time. That's where. I think you could squeeze some juice out of Rizzy if he gets eighteen to nineteen to twenty batters and he's done. Don't let him face any more than that. Manage him that way, and I think you can get some nice value out of him. Uh, and because he gets strikeouts, I that's the thing with him. He gets strikeouts, and he gets them early in the game. It's later in the game when the strikeouts just disappear for him, and they leave him out there anyhow. The hard but part a, is we have he,
0: no idea how Baldelli going to manage.
1: But we saw who he managed under the last couple of years.
0: Yeah that doesn't always mean much though. But there's there's so many god god there's so many guys going late. I can't wait to do the pitching preview pod right. with with Paul Michael at
1: 405. Oh, Jeff Samarja. Look, I mean, look Get back in the Danny Salazar can at 406. Yeah. Oh, Sal. I mean,
0: <laughs> Samarja going 433. I'm going to have a ton of shares at him. Uh Ponce De Leon going 4 4 uh 464. Lance uh,
1: Lynn, I'm going to buy at 419.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's just so many guys going. as one so fan. late that, uh, you know that uh, yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have a lot of late pitching this year. This is gonna be this is gonna be a year where I'm gonna punt pitching a lot.
1: Well, I need some late pitchers to AL? Because I have a in that same league where I've got Cruz at 26, I've got Lindor at 34, who I'll keep. I've got I've got Sale at 40, Price at 19, and Snell at 11. I'm gonna keep three pitchers at 60, so I need to find yeah. you know this eight other, the year six other it. pitchers.
0: With like ten bucks, <laughs> this is a year for me to double tap two elite guys and then not draft a pitcher until the end. So <laughs> that, 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 I'm going to try that strategy in my next mock, or or maybe uh, uh maybe I'll sign up for a, a like a, a a draft champions and and try that out and see how my team turns out. Uh, all right, uh, Kendall Graveman signs with the Cubs. Do we care? Nope. Uh, the Blue Jays sign Matt Shoemaker. Do we care?
1: That's an interesting relocation for a guy that has struggled with the long ball. I mean, I like so Shoemaker, when he came back last year, he only pitched like 31 innings, but he looked good. And he was actually able to keep the, uh, keep the yard, keep the ball in the yard uh, for a change. I've I've always been you know, like Sanchez is your is your guy. Shoemaker's always been my guy. I mean, yes, he'll give up home run, but I like how he pitches up with the fastball, down with the splitter, and sneaks in uh, sneaks in the other stuff. That said, this is a bad relocation. As much as I like Matt Shoemaker, yeah, you're not gonna
0: see you're not gonna see me say two dollars if somebody throws him out at a dollar. Yeah, he he's got to be a dollar pitcher because the homer rate <laughs> is gonna be scary in, in Roger Center. Um I, I I need to see him pitch in spring training first. I want I want to I want to I wanna see what the velocity looks like if he's truly healthy. He's missed a lot of time for a number of different issues. Uh, I got to see him back on the mound. I don't know that I can. I mean, I'm sure he is literally free. Uh, at this point. Um, yeah. So like, it, it's not like you're having to invest in you know very much at all in him. Like I keep scrolling. He he's currently going as. The, the hundred and eighty second pitcher, again that includes relief pitchers, but four hundred and seventy third overall. Like there is no price attached to him. Uh so uh I, I mean he he's probably worth the gamble, but I, I don't even know even in, in that scenario that I'm gonna be grabbing any shares of, of Matt Shoemaker.
1: Yeah, not not in Toronto. Like I said, if it's the end of game I could say or even in reserve rounds, I'll take him. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'll say a dollar at the, at the end game. If somebody says two, I'm not going to say three, if somebody else nominates them, I'm not saying two.
0: uh, Mike fears and Joaquin Soria sign with the A's like it.
1: I like fires coming into last year. Uh, you he, he had that because in 17, he like had three different stanzas of a season, two of them that were good. And one that was just God awful right in the middle of the year. We're like nine eighty three, and I said Fires was going to be like a top one hundred or top eighty starting pitcher. I think was my bold prediction last year, and he did it. Uh, I like I like him going to a team that can give him run support uh, and can give him defensive help back there. So yes, Fires bumps up slightly on my on my chart.
0: I gotta find his ADP. I don't. I mean, the, the the underlying numbers on that great year last year are really scary. Four seventy-five fit four uh, three twenty-two. So he's
1: right there with Luke Weaver, uh, like starting. So we're looking for starting pitchers. He's right there with Luke Weaver, uh, Jake Junis, Brandon Woodruff,
0: yeah. Marcus Strowman. Uh,
1: that's that's I'll the take, group that he's I'll, with. I'll
0: take Weaver. In that, let's see. I'll take Weaver. Um, I'll take Eflin. I'll take Woodruff. Like I'll Woodruff. take Woodruff. Yeah, I just. The, the problem with, with him is that there's there's not many strikeouts to go along with the really low floor. Like, it's just... We don't have strikeout upside to kind of add to that bonus, and it's just really scary if he gets hit. And, and Oakland's a nice park to, uh, to play in for him, but he gives up, you know, I think too much contact... Uh, I you know, and it's it's not like it's soft contact. It's it's a lot of hard and medium contact.
1: I mean, so he went back. So when he got hit, I mean, we have a we know what he pitched like in Oakland. So what he made nine stars for Oakland, five wins, three point seven four ERA, gave up just a ton of home runs. That was really the the problem. He gave up uh, two home runs at the Angels, two home runs at Tampa uh, at Tampa Bay, three home runs against Seattle. So he only had. Two outings, one against Minnesota and one against Texas, that he was able to get out of uh, without a home run. But yeah, you know, he did. He was able to get uh, strikeouts in that regard, uh, in that because when we look at when we look at the overall numbers, he had a nineteen percent strikeout minus walk rate, twenty five percent strikeouts, twenty four five on the strikeouts and five point two on the walks. Held batters to a two twenty seven average with a one oh six whip. He just got pounded by the home run by the long ball. And you know, so, if you think, if you really think that he's going to that he's going to give up a home run uh, every every five fly balls all year, then run away. But I think there's some I think there's some value here.
0: Oh, I have a hard time. I have a hard time with it. I just you know I you know it, when or after being traded to Oakland, he had a forty percent uh, fly ball percentage, a forty five percent hard contact percentage. I just I don't think that. I, I think he actually – I mean, obviously he obviously didn't earn, uh, you know, two homers per nine, but I don't think he earned much worse than that or deserved much worse than that. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm staying far away from, from, from him. I just I, – I I can't. I, there are too many guys going around him that I like the upside on or going behind him that I like the upside on uh, much more. And um, I just feel like the the floor doesn't warrant the ceiling. Fair enough. Uh, Jerks and Profar traded to the A's. uh, Wrong team again. Because they (laughs) they hate their young players, too. And they hate me because I have lots of shares of Franklin Barreto. So, (laughs) um, what are your thoughts on Profar in Oakland?
1: I mean, I, I again when I saw Rangers were trading him and Rays were involved, I'm like, oh boy, Profar's finally going to come because there was a lot of chatter last year about them trying to get Profar. Uh, didn't happen. I mean, Profar's out of options, which is one of the reasons you know Texas is clearly in a rebuilding mode, trying to acquire guys, having somebody they can't do anything with makes it tough. It just sucks that you know Profar finally had the season that the Rangers thought they were going to have for him year after year. I mean, obviously missing that one. Just he missed uh, fourteen, two thousand fourteen, when he missed all that time. Uh, that sucks for him. It's just it's crazy that Profar is going to start the season at twenty six years old. It feels like he's been around the entire decade.
0: Yeah, he, he but he has. <laughs> he was like a sixteen year old when they signed. But he hasn't. Yeah, but he hasn't. He hasn't played. I mean, it's like
1: he has. He has thirteen hundred and twelve career played appearances, and he's and he's and he's going to start. Remember he when? Remember when Texas wouldn't
0: that. include him in the Jacarlos Stanton trade?
1: Uh everybody's got one of those stories. But I mean you saw the growth. I mean he he, he he he's had that growth last year. And that's what you wanted to see. He finally had it. Uh, you know, this this will be a good opportunity for him uh to continue. It's not like you know, the Texas run environment's not that much different from Oakland. Uh it'll be a better overall lineup for him. And I don't see why he couldn't uh slightly improve upon what he did last year. Uh what he did last year for Texas. So I don't, maybe it improves his value a buck or two, uh, just because of the surrounding cast. Uh, He can, I can see his run scored coming up from 82. I can definitely see his RBIs coming up from 77, depending on where they're going to put him in the lineup.
0: Uh, I like it. I like it too. I mean, the, the one thing I dislike is he won't probably be playing all over the place, so he's not going to like keep a lot of the eligibilities that he's uh, picked up over the year because he's coming into the season as uh, eligible at uh, first, third, and shortstop. Uh, in some leagues, he'll have eligibility at second base. Uh, so and He'll have
1: it right out of the gate. I mean, he'll I mean he'll get it early in the season because yeah, right he'll, now, that's where they're going to play at the exactly. second base because they let, they're letting Jed Lowry just basically leave. For so, nothing. Like, this Why is not nobody trashing Oakland for letting Jed Lowry leave?
0: Because they don't want to give him a long-term contract, and I get that he's old. He want he wants a three-year deal.
1: So Rays get trashed for letting CJ Krohn go, but Jed Lowry, who was basically Jed Lowry's like, by like their 50 players for the past two years.
0: <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's Oak, Oakland doesn't want to tie down, especially because they've got guys who are who are gonna be uh, coming up. You know, they they don't want to block. Well, apparently they do want to blow, because Beretto was a top ten prospect not that long ago, and for some right. reason they will not give. Like, I I totally thought that they were letting Lowry go because Beretto's ready, um, and now I think Beretto's going to be a trade chip uh, for for something else, whether it's pitching or whether it's uh, a catcher because they they lost on, on on Lucroy. So. Yeah. Well. Um,
1: yeah. Right now, it looks like it's going to be Chris Herman and Josh Fegley as their catching duo.
0: That's not going to be it. it is, maybe they go out and get uh, Grandal.
1: You would think he's like the perfect fit for them. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm just curious to see how they're going to set the table on this. I'm looking at roster resource. They got Nick Martini right now hitting leadoff.
0: Yeah, that's not in
1: a platoon situation with with Mark Canna. Yeah,
0: that's not going to happen. And that's... Profar's
1: is hitting second. I mean, I. It, it, I would like to see them do something else. I mean, Profar hitting second with Chapman and Davis and Olsen behind him, yay. They need a table setter.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine they don't go and get some. Like, why not have Profar be the leadoff guy in that case? I mean, he's got, you know, he he walks at least. Right. Um. But you can't, I got to imagine that there are going to be a lot of teams that, uh, that are patient and get a lot of bargains. And I, we're starting to see some of them. Nelson Cruz was one of them uh we'll see other ones there there's a lot of talent out there that are not going to find homes
1: I would like to see how they play if they they truly do do a Canha and Martini thing to see how that situation plays out so I'll retract and say they need a proven table setter because I mean Martini did it in limited time at the major league level last year got on base a ton uh and he's done it throughout the minor leagues but it's again it's Minor leagues, and he's got fewer than 200 major league plate appearances. Roster resources so, doesn't even have
0: a foul doesn't even have a Fowler starting on the team. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I um, guess because he's out of options, and now I mean he has options, whereas Profar and Fegley don't.
0: Yeah,
1: uh you know they don't have they don't have some flex. And you look at the rest of that lineup. it's you know I don't see them putting laureano down. Uh, yeah, I don't know how they make the, uh, all that work, but maybe if they do the Martini. Uh, herman if you're in no bp league there, i mean there are worse chances to take than martini just doing his thing and get on base cuz he does have a double digit walk rate throughout his minor league career um but again proving that that team could be a contender. Uh, uh, Oakland.
0: Oh yeah, no i think i think they will be and i don't think i don't think they're done. i think they're going to go make some other moves so. Um let's uh let's move on to our next segment and talk about uh Jason's judgments. You have uh, a number of players that you said you have strong opinions on. Um, or at least opinions on that you wanted to discuss. So uh, let's uh, l- let's talk about them. We'll, we'll start here with uh, Matt Harvey. Oh, uh,
1: you know, going to the Angels to try to rebuild his career in a one-year deal, uh, interesting. I mean, we saw him make some improvements going to Cincinnati last year. Uh, I think one of the things where he's – been a little weird. I mean, if you go back, his fast—the the thing that's concerning about him is he's lost his—he's uh, lost his fastball velocity. I mean, because he had, obviously he had this Tommy John surgery, he came back from that fine, but then had thoracic outlet syndrome and has not had the same stuff. Uh, you know, we were talking about it a few days ago on Twitter, and Andrew uh, uh, Perpetua said that he thinks that the the nerve may have died and that he may not ever get the full. Uh, Finger of feelings in his finger, uh, because obviously when you're trying to do spin rate, that's part of it. Because he's lost his spin rate on his on his fastball and the velocity, so it's not the same pitch that it used to be. But I think that what's also been a problem is not only does he continue to throw it at near the same frequency, but it's where he's throwing it. I mean, we've talked about the theory of effective velocity and making your pitches look faster by pitching up and in versus down and away, but. Harvey, the last couple of years, that's what he's done with his fastball is pitch with his fastball away and sometimes away and down to use the slider away. And this is the righties and lefties. So he's taking a pitch that has less movement and less velocity and putting it out there, giving hitters a little more time. Uh, And so to me, I would like to see him get back to pitching inside and not so away and away, and also use his use his curveball and slider. His his slider is still a very plus pitch. I mean, you look at my run value; it's I think it was eight runs above average last year. His curveball's right there. Start pitching a little more backwards. And uh, what I'm curious to see how this comes into play with the Angels is they have a new pitching coach, Doug White, who was the bullpen coach for the Astros last year, who led the league in throwing breaking balls last year. The Astros. Uh, so I I want to see if Doug White brings that theory over to the Angels and says, "All right, Harvey, I, your fastball, you stop throwing it almost sixty percent of the time. We're cutting that thing down to forty five. I want to see more sliders, more curveballs out of you. And by the way, when you're throwing that fastball, stop throwing it away, move it in, and let's see what happens from that. So I I want to see." Where that goes, I want to see, you know, because Harvey's going to be in Arizona during spring training. We should be able to get spin rates a lot easier than we would if he was in the in the uh, Grapefruit League. So we should be able to get that data early to see if anything's happening there. Uh, but I, I want to watch him closely in spring training uh, because I think there's enough factors here that motivating for another deal, uh, new pitching coach, new philosophy, and see what happens there. To try to get a little more value because right now he is freely available. We talked about his ADP. I think he's like 420 uh, right now, somewhere along that. Free help. Uh, that's a late. That's a late round dart throw right now. Uh, right that I'm willing to take right now, just based on the factors I've discussed. We haven't even seen any of the results, but I'm willing to take a chance. Yeah, he's. I'm sorry, he's 378, uh, and he's been a high of 280. But that's a dart throw I'm willing to take right now in a draft to see how it plays out.
0: Who I don't think I am. <laughs> I, again, this is just—I I think it's just the landscape of pitching. There are other dart throws I'd rather take that are going after him, and I just—I can't imagine that I'm going to pull the trigger on Matt Harvey with with the injury history and 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 what's been going on with him, and in spite of the velocity actually starting to regain towards the end of last season, the, just the fastball being so bad. Um, and it's just uh, yeah I'm too many guys like Chase Anderson's going uh bind him Aaron Sanchez, a guy I've loved uh you know for a long time. you know, you mentioned Danny uh, Salazar should be well, healthy quote unquote heading into uh, next year. I've always hated Michael Pineda, but I mean Michael Pineda going out to the top 400. there's just too many guys that I believe have a better chance of rebounding um, and 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 give me back max value. Uh, as opposed to Harvey, who I just don't think has that ceiling anymore. And 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 that hurts because I was one of those people uh, that ranked him extremely highly before he got hurt.
1: Hey, I'll need to correct you. We called him Michael Pinata on this podcast. I'm sorry. Pinata. I'm ap- I uh, apologize. I Thank apologize.
0: you. <laughs> All right. Uh, Jorge Polanco. You know – Right now,
1: Polanco, when I look at the ADP board, he's the 23rd shortstop off the board at a 206 ADP. And I you know, one of the funny things, obviously, I was super high on him coming in the last year. It gets busted for the, the PED suspension. And, you know, In our heads, we always think, oh, he only did good because of the PED. But then you look back at last year, and his overall triple slash and his weighted runs created plus and his weighted on base average were all better in 18 than it was in 17. You know, So it's like... Wait, that's not the way it's supposed to work. It's supposed to be better. But you, you look, if you take him, obviously, he had all those struggles uh, last year. Then he had, I think he had back-to-back close family losses of, like, a grandfather who was a father to him and his mother. Something happened, like, in the summer, and he missed a bunch of time. But then once he, once he got... Back he lost his starting job, but once he got a starting job, I think he got a starting job back on August second in seventeen, and then finished the season very strongly. uh, And then was a slow start to eighteen. But if you take his numbers from the end of August of seventeen and pick up right where he left off, and then eighteen, if you combine those those sets of numbers, his weighted runs created plus is one twenty five, his weighted on base average is three fifty nine. That's a very productive offensive player. And I think that kind of gets law. When you look at an ADP of uh, of uh, in the shortstops, is the twenty third shortstops off the board? He's going just behind Willie Adamson. I'd rather have Willie. Ad- I'd rather have Polanco. He's going just behind Simeon. And frankly, I would rather have Polanco here because uh, there's more upside there. And there's more speed. Where Simeon, I think, is what he is because he plays a ton. Uh, you know, De Young is there. Hampson's there without a job. Eduardo Escobar is in front. But I think Polanco should be in the top 20, and he's not. I mean, it's not a big jump to get from the top 20. It's only 12 picks. Uh, but to get in the top 18, that's where it'd be a jump. That's about 60 picks for him to get right up there with Escobar. Uh, but I just think Polanco's a little overlooked right now and somebody that'd be willing to take a chance on again uh, because there's there's still the talent there. There's still the youth. But his numbers last year... Like, yeah, it's, you know, 330, six home runs, seven stolen bases. But he could be hitting leadoff in that lineup for Minnesota. Uh, He had a 345 on base average last year. Steamer's projecting him for 332. But he's still the best candidate to hit leadoff in that lineup. And with the number, with the guys behind him, outside chance on the spectrum, Polanco's a 100-run guy in 2019. And he hadn't scored 100 runs over the previous two seasons combined. He's He's at 98 over 800-something plate appearances. If he can hit leadoff, stay on for the guys that are going to be behind him, I think he could have a really big season at the um, on the bases, stealing potentially 15 to 20, but also scoring 90 to 100 runs.
0: Uh, I, I'm with you. Um, That's in
1: my bold prediction. That's one of my bold predictions, by the way, is huge year for
0: him. I, I'm, I'm all on board with you. Uh, Polanco, along with uh, guys going in his area – in terms of shortstops, uh, Willie Adamas, uh, Marcus Simeon, Garrett Hampson, uh, Chris Taylor, uh, even Andrew Simmons are reasons why if I don't get one of the top five shortstops, I'm not going to worry for a while. Like I'm
1: apparently nobody is. It's Lindor, Turner, Bregman, Baez, Machado, and Story, and then there's mm-hmm. like a three round wait, two round wait for Mondesi, yeah. and then Correa, Bogarts, Torres. Yeah, top twelve I've are all a- in the top one hundred.
0: I'm not gonna have probably any shares of shortstops seven through fifteen. It just you know, just I, I'm gonna stay away, and I'm I'm gonna get the Ahmed Rosario's, and even Rosario, his price has gone up huge. But yeah, um, so I probably probably won't. Wow, Ahmed Rosario going inside inside the top 140? Huh, that's that's interesting. Uh, but I'll wait for Garrett Hampson. I'll wait for Marcus Simeon. I'll wait for Willie Adames. I'll wait on Hori Polanco. I love. Polanco's plate skills. Uh, And the fact that he's got power and speed to go with it. Dude Mm -hmm. had a, let's see, a zone contact rate of 92.5 the last two seasons. And, I mean, he just makes, he makes contacts. He doesn't swing outside of the zone. He makes hard contacts. There's lots to like about him. He's definitely going to be one of those guys. The the thing about shortstop is it's just so deep. It's, It's like the bizarro world from, you know, 10 years ago. Indeed. Uh, and it's it's probably the deepest position in fantasy. Uh, third, ba- third base is
1: pretty deep, too. That's the thing I saw Mike Petriello tweeting about, like, hey, here's my top 23rd baseman. And even 10 to 20 would have made a decent top 10 in some years. Yeah,
0: no, third base is really deep, too. When I'm seeing guys like Miguel Sano at 23rd and uh, Ian Happ at, at 26, um, Jake Lamb at 31, wow, Candelario at 33, yeah, third base is pretty deep as well, so... Um, I, I'm not going to worry if, if, unless I get one of those top five guys, I'm going to wait on the Jorge Polanco's of the world. Uh, again, remember only 25 years old, he's still young enough to grow into more power. Uh, I think you can comfortably project him for a 15, 15 season. Uh, and then, you know, hope that maybe, uh, he unlocks a little bit more power in that lineup. And, uh, we're looking at a guy who, you know, hits 20.
1: Outside, outside range of the spectrum. I just, I think, again, I think he's very undervalued at this point.
0: I, I agree with you. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. I think, you know, one of the things when you look at
1: him is because he was so, people forget, you know, you look at the overall, the end of the year, you're like, wow, you know, okay, that was a pretty good year. You know, some of the, some of the bar was, is a little changed for him because of the, because in 2016, how good he was there. Uh when he hit 26, 27 home runs, and that was one of the difference, and he hasn't been there since, but he, he was, when Father's Day, I was looking at it uh, yesterday with him. On Father's Day, he was hitting like 180 280, 310. That was his triple slash line on Father's Day. And then he dug himself out of that hole and got to 234, 314, and 403. And that's that's what's crazy. And then you look at the stack cast, and he there, he left a lot in the tank. I mean, there's about a 35-point difference between his expected weighted on base average and his actual. And it's because of his elite defense is the only reason he didn't get impacted on the roster. And they left him out there as much as they did. But you know, those, those final numbers look bad but understand where they were. I and mean, he raised that batting average 55 points in the second half of the season. Uh, and I think when I'm looking at my bold predictions, he's somebody that I have down for a 2020 and 260 average this year. That's my bold prediction for Boston. And it revolves around him. Uh, I'd like, when you look back at what he did in the second half, you can see the, uh, the potential that he makes his contact got a lot better and You know, the two that again, 2016 blows the curve a little bit. You you look at that, that's not going to happen again. But I don't think uh, he'll be able to challenge some of that. And when you look at that, that season, it was 26 home runs, 94 runs scored, 87, um, 87 driven in nine steals and a two hundred sixty-seven average. I don't think he can get to the 26 home runs again, but. I think a lot of the rest of that slash line is rather repeatable, and he hasn't come close to it for the past two seasons, which is why it's somebody that I'm recommending that we target, especially when we're looking at ADP of. Well, I'm, I changed the shortstop, that's why he's not showing. I wanted to see where he's where he was in the ADP list. at least 63rd outfielder off the board at 235. He's going behind Trey Mancini, Marvin Gonzalez, Odubel Herrera. Uh, just in front of Manny Margot, Randall Grichuk, Ian Happ, Scott Shebler, Brian Anderson.
0: Yeah, he's going, I think, in a fair area for him. You know, to your point, from, uh, uh, let's see, mid June. So from June 16th through the end of the season, he hit 270, 340, 485. He had 10 home runs and 10 stolen bases. Also, ragged up 48 runs, scored in 44 RBI uh, in that time. So. Uh, and that's in 306 plate appearances. And so if he was able to repeat that over the course of a full season, you're looking at a 2020 guy with a pretty decent triple slash uh, and some pretty awesome uh, uh, supporting numbers So, in yep. terms of runs and RBIs. So I think there is some upside that maybe people aren't really looking at in terms of what he could be. And like you said, because he plays such elite defense, he's going to be in every day. The hard part for me is they're just guys going around him that I love. Uh, you know, I'm a big Manny Margot fan. Uh, I think especially if he gets traded to Cleveland in a Corey Kluber deal, uh, I think that could be amazing for him. I love Teoscar Hernandez, who's going after him. Uh, but again, I think outfield is one of those positions that uh, there's some pretty interesting steals and in plays late. So uh, uh, I I will probably have a few shares. I know I traded for Jackie Bradley Jr. in the Rotorua Dynasty Invitational. Uh, last season so he'll be one of my few keepers uh that I get to kind of keep and and move on with but uh yeah i I don't have a problem with it he's definitely not a guy that I'm targeting but I think he may be a tad bit undervalued
1: yeah I mean when I look at the when I look at the rest of the chart like one of the things that jumps out at me Ian Desmond's a top 40 outfielder right now at 142. Yes, he's coming off a 2020 year, but he's also coming off a year where he hit 236 uh, in Colorado. He hit 236. Uh, you know, I'm not as excited about taking Ian Desmond as a top 40 guy with the risk. Maybe it's because I've been torched by Ian Desmond in the past. Uh, but I think when I'm looking at Bradley at, at 63, I I think he's a top 50 outfielder. And that's what top 50 to move him up from top. It's 40 spots in his ADP right now, which is not unattainable. Uh, I just I we've got like Byron Buxton. I'm I'm tired of that. I I don't want to do Byron Buxton again. I can't do it again. And he is going 40 spots ahead of 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 Jackie Bradley Jr. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I could probably see him. I, I got to finish my outfield ranks, uh, which I'll have done probably in in the next week or so. He's gonna be around my top 50. Like I I'll have him above. Oh. I don't know actually. I don't think he'll be in my top fifty, but I think he'll just be outside of it. So he'll 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 probably be top sixty for me, which I think is fair. I just can't put him above guys like Austin Meadows or Brandon Nimmo or Harrison Bader, um, uh, quite yet. But Buxton shouldn't be in the top fifty either. So
1: yeah, but he is. People can't get over that one.
0: Well, <laughs> It's the upside. It's the upside play. Yeah. You know, it's it's not so much that he's in the top 49 or he's 49th, which puts him at 191. It's that somebody took him 134. Oh. You know, and then people will beat that as drafts go on. Yeah. So. Somebody will. Not All me. right. <laughs> Alberto Mondesi.
1: Go ahead oh man where do i start with him so i think i talked about i think we've talked about when we did the recording in november that i said he was you know, i think we were asked at first pitch if he was like next trey turner and i said why can't he be the next tim anderson i think <laughs> is, is the way i looked at it <laughs> that's a great response <laughs> and it got a lot of huh but you know, when I, when i look at it it's it's just the and there's a lot of comps. I mean, when you look at uh, Anderson, his second season in the majors, three percent walk rate, twenty seven percent strikeout rate. Mondesi was four percent and twenty seven percent. Mondesi swung through more pitches, eighteen percent swing strike rate versus fourteen. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people, uh, some recency bias comes into play because people look at, hey, Acuna. And Albies, look what they did at their age. And I went back and looked like minor league career uh, with, the, with Acuna and Albies. They had uh, 1129 plate appearances for Acuna, 11, uh, 1744 for Albies. Strikeout rate, both of them were lower than Mondesi in the minors. Walk rate, both of them were higher. Uh, for strikeouts divided by walks, Mondesi was 0.24 and the other guys were 0.42 and 0.54. When you look at those other guys coming up, people will point to them, but all of those guys were better in the minor leagues than that. And then we look at other guys that at any point in a season where they had more than 250 plate appearances and uh, strikeouts uh, walk rate versus in strikeouts, you know, that Mondesi is, the at the at bats versus strikeouts, all the guys in front of him on this list are just not company he wants to keep. I mean, the Jorge Alfaro, Matt Davidson, Tyler Flowers, Danny Espinosa, Mike Zanino, Jr., a lot of catchers, but you know, the Danny Espinosa one jumps out. Tim Manderson was just ahead of him. It just when we look at when we look at that kind of the at-bats versus strikeouts, Anderson was right in the middle of the pack. Mondesi exceeded expectations, like by just by OPS, lazy measure of OPS. Mondesi had one of the highest OPSs for guys that that struck out five times for every one time they walked. That and then the other the other piece of that equation, when we look at it, uh, what where I see him being drafted? I see him being drafted like people think he's a second coming of Afonso Soriano. That's what scares me. When you look at when we go back and look at the eighty, where we look at Mondesi and where he's going in these in these auctions, and people are talking about him as a as a top fifty player, I think he's gone as high as twenty four or seven. No, here he is twenty. He's gone as high as twenty. His ADP is forty six, and he's being drafted like uh, like Alfonso Soriano in his second year, uh, his second year of the uh, major league career, two thousand two. So that, that year, 2002, Alfonso Soriano had a 3% walk rate, a 21% strikeout rate, which makes a 0.15 uh, walks divided by strikeouts. It uh, th- th- was the first year we had plate discipline metrics on fan graphs. So he had a 33% out-of-zone swing rate, a 43% out-of-zone contact rate, but he made contact overall 73% of the time and even had a 16% swinging strikeout rate. So that's Soriano. Mondesi last year was worse almost across the board. 67% uh, contact rate, 18% swinging strike rate. Uh, but Soriano was was able to pile all of that up. But I just see him beat. When you're drafting Mondesi as a 20th overall pick, and you're drafting him at 45, you're you're saying he is a he's either the end of the uh, third round in a 15 team, or the beginning of the fourth round. He's being drafted as if he's going to produce Alfonso Soriano type numbers within a within 90% of what Soriano did. Whereas Soriano is like the outlier when you look at he has the highest OPS of anybody with these kind of terrible plate discipline metrics. He's the outlier. But he but Mondesi is being drafted like that towards that direction, more so than the middle of the pack, which is exactly where Tim Anderson finished in his year after he came on the scene. And the second year we all said, oh, yeah, but look at the contact rates and 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 Anderson performed as, as a whole where everybody else did, I don't want any part of Mondesi up here. Even 67, even his low feels too aggressive for me because Tim Anderson <laughs> Tim Anderson wasn't there either. But I see a lot of people talking about it, and maybe you know, like, this comes off the year where last year I was like, I don't want Albies, I don't want Acuna at those prices, and I missed out on them. But I'm more than willing to miss out on Mondesi for somebody – that's a safer play here because, yes, the, the Royals have absolutely nothing to lose. I mean, that team's going to suck from day one, but they're going to be a pain in the ass on the field because they're going to have Hamilton running. They're going to have Merrifield running. They're going to have Mondesi running. There's no reason to really send them down. You could just make them play every day. Maybe you move them down in the lineup. There I don't see them no getting sent s- down to the minors. There was no reason <laughs> to send
0: them down last year, though. Correct. Like, Correct. They, they, they were going to suck last year. so like I agree. Like, there is, the, there, there is an outcome in which Mondesi ends up back in AAA. And like you said, a 67% contact rate is right above Teoscar Hernandez and Joey Gallo.
1: There is an extreme amount of risk associated with this. Yes. Extreme. And, and the, the way out of it is he plays every day. He plays 155 games, and he runs at full abandon. And that's also assuming that that you know they brought in Mike Matheny. They brought in the anti-Ned Yost. And he's he's the bench coach or the advisor or whatever the hell Mike Matheny is. Mike Matheny should be nowhere near this club. But if for some reason they get so bad and they and they're like, okay, it's time we move on. We're going to let Ned Yost go to Mike Matheny. That absolutely puts a restrictor plate on on Mondesi because that that ends the running game. That because that's not that's not what Matheny's track record has been. And it, it completely changes. So to me, there's way too much risk here associated with this. But you can't people have to slow their roll here.
0: You're talking about a guy who has been swinging outside of the zone. It 37% was his best year in terms of O swing percentage uh, in the majors. It just, you know, like 18.2% swinging strike rate. This guy swings at everything. And, you know, when it's in the zone, he makes contact. The problem is, at what point do teams just go, you don't walk. You're willing to swing outside of the zone all the time. We're just not going to throw it down in the middle of the plate for you. Pretty and, much. I mean, that's what I would be doing, right? It just, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep throwing you stuff on, on the, ed, uh, on the edges, and watch you chase. And the problem is, like, people think that, oh, well, he hit 276, so even though he doesn't walk, he's still going to get on base 300, uh, you know, the 300 percent of the time. No, that's not going to continue to happen. Like he, I agree. he got extremely lucky on uh, on balls in play, uh, and I know that can people are going to say that you know that that the BABIP can go up with, with guys who are fast, and that's true. Uh, three thirty five BABIP is not something that he has you know been able to do recently in in, in the minor leagues as well. He's got one season of three seventy three, but he's also got seasons of two ninety one. It uh, was his BABIP uh, in Triple A last year. Uh, I just think there's just so many red flags. And if he was going outside of the top 100, outside of the top 150, uh, I'd be all over him. And I was all over him last year. You can go back to the podcast we talked about or we talked at the beginning of, uh, of 2018. And I talked about Mondesi as a guy that I was going to add to every one of my benches because of the huge upside. I remember that. The problem is, You're paying for this upside already. Yep. And that's... that. You need him to be an all-star. You need him to turn into Trey Turner for him to return the value... or to give you profit on the value. And at every pick, I want to try to get profit uh, where I can. I mean, really, what is the difference between him and Garrett Hampson, who's going 140 picks later? True. If you like that profile... Like you mentioned, Tim Anderson is going 60 picks later.
1: It's there. Nobody wants Tim Anderson. You know, I'm actually – well, I I want back in on Tim Anderson now that everybody's out on him.
0: You know, I mean, uh, you know, Ahmad Rosario is going 100 picks later. Like, I, I just don't understand – no, I totally do understand why people are – why people are going crazy because they see, they see the numbers. They see the power speed combo that he put up in, you know, 75 games, and they're projecting it out.
1: SNTS, baby. Mm-hmm.
0: And it, people really need to stop doing that because it's it's absolutely <laughs> it's absolutely insane he he could easily hit 210 next year
1: very possible
0: so and if he hits 210 next year with a with a three percent walk rate uh he's not stealing you know thirty bases much less fifty or sixty that some people are salivating over
1: no <laughs> like i like it's just it's it's too much it's way too much risk for We always talk about being risk-adverse, and then what's what's surprising to me is the people that are doing these types of drafts this early in the NFB season aren't casual players. I mean, these are serious dudes. And so it it just astounds me that somebody is willing to take the 20th overall pick on somebody that has this much risk. Yeah, there's a lot of reward, but this is a huge amount of risk to take on.
0: Um, I'm trying to remember... Oh God! Who was the player last year that this this reminds me of? I feel like I feel like there was, uh, let's see, 2018. Um, I feel like there was a player that that everybody uh made this mistake with. Uh, last Feels like year. Buxton to me. <laughs> it could be Buxton, but um, it just yeah, it's it's such a risky pick, and I don't like I, I get why people take the upside, and we're gonna see guys like this uh. Taken early because you know, especially in NFBC, we're talking about a lot of draft championships, uh, champions leagues. There's an overall prize. People are trying to grab as much upside as they can, and there is a ton of upside. Uh, but I, I think we often forget that you need to kind of shield yourself from risk as well. And this, there is no um, th- there, there's no shielding yourself from risk for Mondesi when he's going in, you know, the top 50 picks. Right. So, all right, that's gonna wrap us up for this episode, Jason. What do you got
1: going on? Uh, off to Fiesta Bowl on New Year's Eve, and then uh, back to work on the second.
0: Nice. Well, Fiesta Bowl should be a lot of fun, though. I hope so. I, I would like another it's the win. national championship. That would be awesome.
1: Right? Uh, depends. <laughs> it depends. I mean, if uh, if Oklahoma can beat Clemson today, uh, and then if Oklahoma could beat the winner of, of no Oklahoma's playing. No, Oklahoma's playing Alabama. It is Clemson and Notre Dame. I need Oklahoma to win out because Oklahoma has a loss. And so if Oklahoma can win out and win the mythical national championship and the college football payoff, um, I did say payoff intentionally, uh, then if UCF can win, that would make them back-to-back undefeated champions again. Otherwise, it doesn't have the same. If they win the Fiesta Bowl, but then Alabama or Notre Dame or Clemson win it out, then it kind of rings hollow. Because, yes, they had – so it goes both ways. Um, And it's unlikely they would get first-place votes like they did last year. They got four first-place votes last year. But I'm going. I'm getting to see a lot of friends and looking forward to it.
0: Nice. Uh, I am doing nothing except for a ton of podcasts and articles and and things like that. So – um, and yeah, the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Draft Guide, which uh, you, you do on about
1: 60 and 30 days podcast.
0: So. Yeah. So we, we do a team preview every day and then we do a mini prospect uh, uh, pod. So yeah. where are uh, Matt Thompson, who's our prospect guy over there uh, and also at Prospects Live. Uh, I, I pretty much just go, hey, what are the prospects on this team? And then he talks and I I, I put myself on mute. So, but we, we do 60, uh, you, those are usually like anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes. Um, and the other ones are 30 to 40. So it's really like you're getting hours worth of podcast in in two doses, but, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Just a ton of work, unfortunately.
1: I uh, I, yeah, I can imagine. I, there's I'm, no I'm, way I could keep up with it.
0: <laughs> I'm in the process of editing like 250 plus pages worth of, uh, articles that people sent me for the, for the draft. So, uh, that's, uh, that's been fun to do while I'm sick.
1: Hope you feel better, dude. Sick, being sick sucks. I was sick a couple of weeks ago, and it it definitely kicked my butt. Um, I, I'm out of it now, but for a couple of weeks ago, I had the crud, and the crud sucks. Yeah,
0: this is the first day that I've actually felt somewhat decent, so I was glad uh, you were able to record. Uh, are you going to be available next week?
1: Uh, positive.
0: Awesome. Well, we will uh, we will get together next week, and we will hopefully uh, maybe uh, after the new year have some uh, some real signings to talk about. Sounds good. All right, take it easy. See you, man.